What's up, everyone? It is in the podcast presented by the Sawdust Podcast Network and Fantasy Alarm. I'm Adam Ronis, Howard Bender, on vacation this week. So each day I'm going to have a guest, and today I bring someone in from Fantasy Alarm. It is Greg Jewett. He does great work, especially on the MLB Draft Guide. Already a ton of play player files over there. Uh, definitely known him for a while now. I think I met you through Nando DeVito. Yeah, <laughs> I think I, I introduced you guys. But yeah, Greg has been a guest on my show many times, not on this podcast. But Greg, uh, glad to uh, have you here to talk some baseball. Yeah, I, I'm in my I'm doing my best Bender impersonation. So I'm in a frumpy sweatshirt and I didn't shave today. <laughs> well, that's a good job. It definitely describes better. Now all you have to do is talk about how you want to die and you got the perfect impression of Bender. <laughs> We've had a couple of those conversations. Scary. Like the guy doesn't want to live long, but um so, so far, what have you done for the draft guide? Let people know, because honestly, the fantasyalarm.com slash draft hyphen guide slash MOB. I mean, you can go to the main site and click on it. MOB, Jim Bowden online draft guide. Tons of stuff in there. I'm going to have stuff as well as my rankings. But there's so much information here. And it is late January. You've got to get started now. But what have you done so far for the draft guide? And what are you going to have in there? Uh, let's see. So I've. Between Colby and myself, I've, we've already turned in 40 player profiles to be edited. I know, uh, I think they've published 10 or 16 so far. Um, I'm kind of waiting for the Alberto Mondesi one to go through. I spent a lot of time going through his injuries and what his numbers look like pre and post injury. And, and I know a lot of people are worried about his batting average. And I was trying to see what the what the true Mondesi would be. So hopefully in uh, 2021, the, the real Alberto will stand up. Um, the the other day, uh, what was it, two days ago, my uh, full hand one article was published. There's a lot of people. It doesn't matter how you want to use the full hand approach. It's basically your first five picks. Um, the truest form of it that was first referenced in NFBC was taking uh, three pitchers among your first five picks. Um, I don't think you have to be steadfast in that. Uh, but I do think you need to take at least two pitchers probably right now in your first five selections. The the days of taking all hitters early and filling in pitchers later is uh, going by the, uh, the wayside. You're going to be a dinosaur in your drafts if you're doing that. And I also uh, did an article on the sustainable breakouts. Uh, we'll be doing a positional breakout, a breakdown soon, uh, going through each one kind of setting a landscape forum, things of that nature. Uh, a lot of good stuff in there. There's already league format specific. I believe you did the draft and hold for NFBC. Uh, we have points leagues, head to head, and all those things. So uh, good stuff coming out every day on that draft guide. That's the beauty of the living thing. And I've had to update the sleeper and bust article already like two times each. Yeah, lots of signings going on now, finally, day by day. But where do you get started with your baseball prep? I mean, baseball to me is the most challenging of the fantasy sports because it's a six-month season. The player pool is deep, which is why I enjoy it a lot. I mean, I just like the long season, and I guess I outwork a lot of people. Some people give up, and I never do. But I do find <laughs> – I don't know. I find the most satisfaction in winning a fantasy baseball league. But where do you get started? Because for some people, it could be overwhelming. So where do you start? Uh, just going through players, I, I thumb through the, you know, I get the forecaster and it kind of sets the table and then I get excited about players I want to dig into, uh, you know, Twitter conversations, things I see coming up around the bend. 
Uh, people will be arguing about a player. I usually don't jump into the fray, but I'll go in and just dig into a guy and then I'll end up doing the profile after it. Uh, I also like seeing where guys are projected to hit in their lineups, not necessarily using roster resource, but um, just kind of going through where they finished up the season batting. Like it's going to be a, a big swing as far as if Kayvon Biggio hits second or if he hits seventh this year for the Blue Jays. So little things like that make a big make a big difference when you're trying to evaluate a player's counting stats. So going through all that minutia and, and I think the beauty of fantasy alarm is we do all that dirty work so people can just glean that information and then take it and process it going forward. But uh, it's going to be a very volatile draft this year and no one knows how many innings pitchers are going to pitch. We're still waiting for free agents to sign and, you know, the universal DH could drop on our lap any day. Now there's so many moving pieces that it's difficult to forecast. Yeah. I think it's, so stupid that we don't know if there's going to be a universal TH yet. Uh, we're recording this here on the evening of January 27th. Like, what the hell is taking so long? I mean, I, I just it's so idiotic that this has not been decided yet. Uh, they they use all this stuff as bargaining chips. So, you know, us in the fantasy community get caught in the crosswires. So, you know, Nelson Cruz, he's trying to figure out, does he have a pool of 15 teams to sign with or 30? So it, it changes things. <laughs> It sounds like the, his market's kind of firming up. It's going to be the White Sox and the Twins in a battle for him. But, and again, that changes everything because now if you put Cruz into that White Sox lineup, you're moving Eloy Jimenez down and other people are going to slot around. So that's why any projections are going to be changing probably a good five times before we even get a, a first pitch thrown in spring training. But good news a bus just left Baltimore not to move out the uh, football team, but to bring down the spring training stuff to Florida. And Nelson Cruz is an interesting player because I felt like for the last five, six years, I write the same article every year that he's undervalued <laughs> and he continues to crush those expectations. But like at some point, right, he's going to slow mm-hmm. down, I would think, or maybe he retires on top like David Ortiz. He turns 41 in July. Now, I really I didn't dig deep in yet. I didn't see anything major. I did see he hit more infield fly balls. I did see his hard hit rate went down. Uh, Fly balls went down more grounders. But again, we're dealing with only 53 games of data. Uh, Mm -hmm. Nelson Cruz in my first NFBC draft champions league that was completed about two weeks ago went in the 10th round of a 15 team league. Like, have you looked at Cruz yet? Where are you? Do you continue? I know it depends also where he lands, but let's assume he's in a decent spot. Are you back in on Cruz? Do you think he's going to be a value? Or do you say, you know what, one of these years he's going to fall off and I want to bow out early? It's funny because the universal DH has kind of created more guys that are utility only this year. It used to be one of the knocks on taking Cruz was he ate up utility spot. Uh, but now you've got him, Franmil Reyes. You know, everyone thinks Miguel Cabrera is a first baseman, but he's going to be a DH only based on last season. He didn't reach seven games at first base. So I, I think you kind of throw that out the window. At, in the 10th round, he's still he's still a steal. But uh, th- there, are, there are a few cracks. I have not done his profile yet just because I want to know where he's going to be before I fully devote myself to typing up six pages on a Google Doc about him. However, uh, I, I'm just worried more about injuries and the team protecting him. So I could see him getting a day off a week, which, again, as you know, over a season starts taking away the uh, overall counting stats. But 
you know, I, I don't know if he can keep hitting at the high batting average he's at, but the power is for real. I would prefer him to go to the White Sox. I think that's a better lineup, but that you're splitting hairs. I think one of the other big challenges, and probably no one has really a great answer for this, is like how do we look at 2020 data? Because it was a 60-game season. You mentioned about pitchers. Not many went deep, and that's going to create a problem for how many guys can throw 100, I mean, 70, 180 innings this year, let alone mm-hmm. 200. So, like, what have you done so far in your prep when encountering the 2020 data? Because we know 60 games or 50 or 56 innings in baseball, anything could happen. And, you mm-hmm. know, guys can be great. They can be terrible. And I will tell you this, just on looking at the ADP data and doing a draft Champions League already in the NFBC, people are taking that 2020 stats very serious. Uh, they are. Uh, we know it's a, a reaction business that we're in. Uh, one of the main things I've been trying to do in my profiles, I can't speak for Colby, but uh, I I display what happened last year, 2020. I also try and show the second half of 2019 through 2020. So I'm, I'm wrapping that up. So that's more of like a, what a full season would look like. And then if a player has that available, I also display the last three years of stats. And then we kind of see where the numbers take us, uh, if there's any changes in plate discipline, like you were talking about with Nelson Cruz, more ground balls, less ground balls, how the batted ball data is happening. And then we can kind of arrive at at least a a point of this is where things could head this year. Um, you know, so it's like, do we think Kristen Yelich is going to bat near the Mendoza line again this year? Doubtful. Is he going to hit 340? Doubtful. But, you know, yeah. All of that stuff weighs into these things, and, and it's going to make a people can really do well in drafts. I think this is a year where you can target pitching early, and you can get a lot of rebound hitters going at a depressed rate and be able to round out your rosters in a good fashion. That's interesting. So we are seeing pitchers. Now, I don't know if it's because now most of the ADP data we're looking at are draft champions leagues. And for people who are not familiar or draft and hold leagues, Check out my article at fantasyalarm.com as part of the MLB draft kit. <laughs> but yeah, good plug there, right? But yes, yes. It's basically you draft your team and that's it for the season. So right. you can also do them on fantrax.com and the NFBC 15 teams, 50 rounds. So pushing pitching is going to get pushed up. There's no free agency. You can't make any waiver wire moves. You can't replace the mistakes you made. So that's why we're seeing pitching really fly off the board. Now do you feel like, all right, I'm going to go with the crowd and take those pitchers? Or do you say, you know what? If everyone else is doing it, I'm going to be contrarian, take the bats and maybe a closers. Because someone did that at one of my leagues. I don't think they took a, a hitter till round seven, uh, which is very surprising. Uh, but which way do you lean? I think you adjust to the room. I'm not going to take a pitcher just to take a pitcher. Uh, you know, you and I both know we're going to get people that we like or at least uh, in those pockets of value in each round where, where guys are going to be projected to come off the board. Uh, you just, you watch what's going on around you. I did do a, a mock draft for, uh, for Lindy's representing fantasy alarm. Cause Howard doesn't like doing them. And I, you know, sometimes I don't blame them. Uh, and in that draft, I got pretty good pitching prices because most of the writers are still really not going to push up the pitching. But then you look again today and there was a different draft being posted, uh, NFBC format with a bunch of writers 
And Jeff Zimmerman, four of his first five picks were pitchers. He went starting pitcher, starting pitcher, uh, Xander Bogarts, and then he took Liam Hendricks and um, I forget the name, one other closer right after that. So he went he went in on saves, he went in on pitching, and he's going to do the, what we just talked about by getting hitters, hitters later. But I think you have to be comfortable too. If you're if you're more comfortable drafting hitters, stay within your sweet spot and then just move up a pitcher or two that you like around ahead of their ADP to make sure you get them. There, there's nothing worse than watching that guy in your queue disappear when you're next on on the board. Yeah, and I've also I even mentioned this in the article which uh, came out last week, and I said you know drafting in January and even early February is tricky especially when it comes to closers, because we still don't mm-hmm. know who has the job. Now, I do it just because, you know, I always do want it in January. I'm probably going to start another one soon, but I do it because it helps me prepare for the season. I know some people might not have the money or they don't want to do it because there's so many unknown. And we still have a lot of free agent signings. You mentioned Nelson Cruz, Trevor Bauer, Marcelo Zuna, Justin Turner. I can go on. You get the picture. So for some people, it's not ideal to draft now. I like to do it understanding I'm going to get some breaks And I'm also going to get screwed in some areas. But when it comes to closers right now, like, what's your strategy? If you're drafting today, uh, what are you going to do with closers? I will get one that I trust um, probably in the between the seventh and ninth round. Like early on, I liked Rizal Iglesias. But if you look at the the last week or so, he's be he's moving up into the top 60, 65 picks. Um, so everyone is pushing. And again, the, what you're referencing is, yes, this is a, a format where if you can get a known closer, that makes him more valuable. Um, so I'm getting someone that I know I can rely on at least, and then I can take chances after that. Or you just kind of let it drift. Now, luckily, one of my specialties is closers, so I'm willing to let it. Um, I'm willing to wait more than other people are because I write about them all the time. So I'm I'm aware of who the next guy in line may be and things of that nature. So I, I have a little bit of advantage in that. But I, I think closers, you're going to be planning on getting people that you might need three or four guys that can get you 15 each because things are changing. The percentage of games saved last year went down again. Uh, pitchers only went at, on average 4.8 innings. That was in my full hand article. There's another plug for you. So, you know, I think pitchers will work a little deeper this year, but it really depends on the team. Uh, your Mets are one of the only teams that really lets their pitchers go uh, into the sixth inning a lot of times, whereas other teams do not. So it's going to be it's going to be crazy. But for me, for closer, I don't stress about it too much. But other people, I can understand why you push them forward. We're going to talk about some of the top free agent signings and some of the trades. But before we do that, here's a word from our sponsor, Monkey Knife Fight. Do you like to play daily fantasy sports? Then you need to check out monkeyknifefight.com. Monkeyknifefight.com is the fastest growing daily fantasy site in the world because monkeyknifefight.com is different than the other daily fantasy sites. That's because on monkeyknifefight.com, there are no salary caps and you don't have to play against sharks, which means anyone has a chance at winning, even you, Adam, even you. Uh, monkeyknifefight.com has tons of fun daily contests in all the sports you love. Baseball, basketball, hockey, golf, UFC, NASCAR, WNBA, and eSports too. Monkey Knife Fight has it all. You know what else monkeyknifefight.com has? How about a free $5 game 
for you for just for signing up. And if you use the promo code ANTEUP, one word, A-N-T-E-U-P, you will have your first deposit matched instantly up to 50 bucks. With a name like monkeyknifefight.com, you can be pretty certain you know what you're going to be getting when you sign up to play. Monkeys and knives and fights and sports. Sign up and play today at monkeyknifefight.com. Play, play MKFing win. State and age restrictions apply. See site for full terms and restrictions. So that's how we uh, pay the bills. Back here on the Andy Up Podcast, Adam Ronis, along with Greg Jewett from Fantasy Alarm. We're talking some baseball. And uh, let's look at some of the recent free agent signings and what it means for fantasy. No surprise, JT Muto back with the Phillies. The mm-hmm. question is, are you going to pay that price for that number one catcher? We know there's a big disparity between him and the rest. And especially if they do have the DH, that will lead to some more at-bats. He gets some stolen bases. I just never found myself paying for him in an auction or spending a second, third round pick on him. What's your strategy when it comes to catchers and specifically Real Muto? Yeah, I and, and that same um, mock draft we were talking about a few minutes ago, I, I I could not. Real Muto actually in a 12 team fell to the fourth, but I didn't want to be that guy. I took Salvador Perez, I think, three rounds later, which I'm okay with because uh, he has a lot of pop in that bat, and he gets DH at bats as well. So uh, especially hitting cleanup for the for the Royals most of the season last year, that's okay with me. I think Will Smith is a little underrated. Uh, I, I usually do not pay the real Muto tax. That's just never been my style of catcher. You know what's really funny this year is if Buster Posey actually – returns to fantasy relevancy just because of his playing time. There's so many catcher splits. It's almost like these bullpens. So many guys are in shared roles. Yeah, it is crazy. And hopefully we get some more clarity as the months go by. But sometimes we're, we're just not sure. Uh, Marcus Simeon just signed with the Blue Jays. Man, they are just loaded in that lineup. And you would think at this point, my guess is maybe they make a trade here, trade an outfield. They definitely need starting pitching, but uh, mm-hmm. thoughts on Marcus Simeon to the Blue Jays? Yeah, to me, this signals that they have another move. I mean, you you don't you don't make a signing of Simeon and shift around your infield. Rumor has it he's going to play second base, which is fine. So now you've got Biggio and Vlad Jr. fighting for third base. If Guerrero can't beat him out, he moves over the first, and then that pushes Telez out of the picture. Uh, but that that's a pretty busy outfield, too. And even with the DH spot, I think they're going to have to get creative. So you would think uh, Toronto lines up very well with the Reds. So if they can pry away Sonny Gray, I think that's uh, that could be one that would work out. Uh, I know people have talked about Herman Marquez out in Colorado possibly being a, a trade uh set up well in a trade to the Blue Jays. So they're definitely going to be doing something. There's just not a, they've got too many people to move around there. I know it's good to have roster depth and fluidity, but, uh, and, and again, that lineup could remain in flux. So how much is Bishek going to run? Is Biggio going to bat second? Springer's probably going to lead off, but he's more of a power guy than base stealer now. Uh, you know, where does Guerrero hit? And where does Tiasker hit? Can he repeat last year? A lot of questions, but it's an exciting team. The Yankees signed Corey Kluber in free agency and then recently acquired Jamison Tyon in a trade. Uh, we know both have some risk coming off injuries. Uh, what are your thoughts on those two guys? Well, if this was 2018, as uh, Yankee fans would be ecstatic because I think those guys would have won 34 games between them. 
But we'll see. Uh, I think spring velocity is going to say a lot. They were saying Kluber was throwing well without even being um, totally built up. I know the Yankees are encouraged because they hired Eric Cressy, who's been in charge of Kluber's rehab. So a little insider trading information there. So if anybody would know that Kluber might be ready, it would be Cressy. So that's going to be curious. And then Tyone's very good friends with Garrett Cole. So that just kind of makes sense. They used to be roommates in spring training with the Pirates. Again, this is all going to come down to innings, and, and all of these teams have to figure out how to man all of these innings over a 162-game schedule compared to 60, and they don't have the extra roster spaces right now. You know, Last year, they expanded the roster so teams could carry more people to, in case of any COVID issues, but uh, if they don't expand rosters, you're going to see a lot of churning and burning in bullpens. And we also saw... Uh... Tampa be busy trading Blake Snell to the Padres, mm-hmm. another team that has just been absolutely killing it in the offseason. Mm-hmm. Blake Snell went in the third round of my NFPC draft champions draft. And we all know he was pulled early in the World Series, and Tampa consistently pulled him early as they did with their starters. What do you think happens in San Diego? Do they have a different approach and let him go longer? Or do they say, yeah, looking at the data, that it was right. I mean, is he a guy you could take in the third round? Uh, for me, no, but um, it, it was funny. Somebody posted on Twitter the other day that the Padres, I think, only had three starters last year working to the sixth inning. So it's not necessarily like going to San Diego is going to naturally extend his inning count. Uh, you know, they have an analytical department as well. So mm, I, I, I personally will not be taking Snell in the third round. Um, I'm a little worried about Glasnow because he doesn't work deep in the games. Uh, I'm going to let other people take that risk. Uh, Charles Munger said it well in, in investing. He said, let let somebody else pretend to be intelligent and just do things that are not stupid. Yeah, I mean, when you people are going to be amazed when they start to look at ADPs and see where pitchers go and see some of the names. Uh, in my draft, uh, Zach Gallen, Blake Snell, Kenta Maeda all went in the third round. Could you take any of those guys in that spot? Uh, I would have a hard time doing that. So like in that draft, hopefully I've taken a pitcher in the first or second in that third round, I would be sniping one of the hitters that fell. And then I'd be looking for a a solid number two, like a Brandon Woodruff or somebody else coming around around the backside on that. Uh, Woodruff went before those guys. He went second pick around three. See, that's the thing though. You, You know, you mentioned it earlier and I've always said this, this is very important you have to know the room that you're drafting in. And you know mm-hmm. when you're an NFBC draft champions. And I, always, I wrote in the article, just look at the ADP data. Try and do it over the last two to three weeks. Don't do it back to November because – Yeah, no, no, no. You can't do that. Yes. Yeah. I mean, there are certain guys that have moved way up. Kirby Yates is one. I mean, we could go yeah. over a bunch of them. That recent Marcus Simeon's going to move up now that he's in Toronto. Mm-hmm. So you have to understand that. But it is knowing the room. And I think that's where sometimes – for me, going from an industry or NFBC to the home league where you could be a little bit more aggressive because you're used to drafting in that aggressive room. But, I mean, you see it with these pitchers. Uh, people are going to be surprised at some of the names that go early. And a lot of it is based on last year. I mean, all these guys, you would have never even, you know, Snell has gone early recent years. But Zach Allen, Maeda, Woodruff, these are guys you're not used to seeing go that early. Uh, do you mean Zach, please, Zach? He went in the fourth. Okay. No, Gallon yeah, went in the third. Yeah, oh, Gallon. Zach Gallen. Gallen. Okay, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Yes. Yeah, that's, you know, I like Zach Gallon a lot, but I don't know that he's ready to be an ace for a staff yet. You know, 
he's been terrific with an ERA under three each of the last two seasons, and and the strikeouts could be on the on the rise. He's got a terrific changeup, but how many games are the Diamondbacks going to win in that division? Five. I mean, you're 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 going up against the the Dodgers and the Padres in those games. I mean, yeah, it's great. And then when he plays the Rockies, half of them are in cores. Uh, I, you know, uh, these things have to be factored in. Uh, again, I lo- I very much like Zach Gallen, but I'll probably like him better next year when his price normalizes a little more um, than I would this season. That to me, that's rough. I mean, I can wait a round or two and then get a, a Carlos Carrasco. You know, the other thing that stood out too is that we know that the central divisions were bad last year, and there was pretty mm-hmm. much just divisional play and then oh, yeah. league play. So, look, I mean, think about this, okay? So, we know DeGrom and Cole, the first two guys, yeah, they're great. Look at all the pitchers that go after and look where they pitched. Bieber, Giolito, Darvish, I know he changed teams, but he was on the Cubs. Bauer in Cincinnati, Castillo in Cincinnati. I mean, a lot of guys here. Flaherty in St. Louis, Woodruff in Milwaukee, Maeda in Minnesota. A lot of those guys pitching in a very, very weak divisions. Yeah, well, at least Flaherty did it the year before. I'm liking Flaherty being a little depressed in price this year because the Cardinals had such a goofy year with the COVID and the, and the, the double schedule. Hurts, yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. he he didn't pitch a lot of innings, so you know I'm okay with him. But yeah, so you you raise a great point there because those NL Central teams they all made the playoffs and then none of them could hit, and then it was like, oh wait a minute, maybe we were missing something there. So. Uh, and one other thing that worries me, I don't know about you, but I keep seeing Robert Murray tweet out that the Brewers are listening to offers on Josh Hader and it hasn't happened once. He's tweeted it like three times to me where there's smoke, there's fire. I'm not sure Hader opens the season in Milwaukee, but we'll, we'll see what happens. I was a little worried about him last year with the, with the home runs, his velocity, the fastball seemed a little straighter. You know, uh, he's the consensus number one reliever taken, but uh, I don't know about you, but I, I would rather have Hentrips at this point. Yeah, I haven't done my rankings that are dug in deep. I'm still in the embryonic stages of my baseball <laughs> prep. But yeah, he was the first guy off the board in my draft, then Liam Hendricks. Uh, I took but, Edwin Diaz myself. Yeah, uh, that's okay. But here's the thing everyone's. Yeah, everyone's paying for Josh Hader to get those multi-inning high strikeout things, and that's not how they used him last year. He was in a one-inning role. He he was not in the top of the strikeout. Could that have been though, because of the short season? That, see, there's a lot of things that we don't know. That's that's what's yeah. making this well, they, challenging this year. Yeah, but Milwaukee said they wanted to limit those things. Like if they used them back to back, they said they would have. You know, if they used them for multiple innings, like a four-out or five-out appearance, then they'd have, they'd have to give them a day or two off in between. In the short season, I know you can't do that, but I think they're starting to understand. They put a little wear and tear on them when they were doing, you know, it was great for fantasy when we were getting all those strikeouts. But then I think there there was a little residual effect. So hopefully this offseason he can get things back to normal. But that that's someone I'm really watching closely, especially in the spring. Are we going to get discounts on some of the guys that went through COVID? Now, we all know COVID hits everyone different. I know Yoan Moncada came out and said it was tough for him. No, yep. Austin Meadows had a down year. Like, are those guys that you're targeting say, hey, we're getting them a few rounds cheaper than last year, and we're just going based on a small sample where they were dealing with COVID? Is this a buying opportunity? Uh, I'm okay to, yes, but we have to see where he's going to bat in the lineup. I'm really split on Meadows because, you know, the, the one thing that drives me crazy about Tampa Bay is how they they match up with lineups. So, and I know he did hit against lefties in 2019, 
but they moved him down in the lineup. He led off against righties and then against lefties. I think he dropped down to like fifth or sixth. But what if he struggles against lefties again to open the season? Does he lose those games and those at-bats? And then if that happens, does that depress his counting stats? I know a lot of people love Meadows. Um, right now, I am really on a wait-and-see approach with them. What do you think? Uh, I'm kind of willing to buy back in. He went in the seventh round of this 15-team league. I, and look, I was big on Meadows last year. I had him in a lot of spots, so he absolutely hurt me. Uh, I would think, though, if he's healthy, that they let him go back to facing more lefties like they did two years ago. Uh, but I think I'm willing to buy at that spot. I mean, and that the guys that went after him were – Dylan Moore, Byron Buxton. I mean, these are bats. Dominic Smith, Altuve, J.D. Martinez, Goldschmidt, Dansby Swanson. So, I guess so it like, depends. Yeah, so like, like to me, um, I waited on outfield a little bit, but I took Dylan Carlson to be like sort of a medals-like player. I think Carlson. Do you remember what round you got nice him in? Year. It, it was, but this was 12 team, but it was like right. ninth or tenth. Okay, yeah, he went tenth round in this fifteen team league. So And that's a great price to me. So I'd yeah. rather have Carlson in the tenth than Meadows in the seventh, but again, it depends on what my team needs at that point. I think that's one thing that people and I was talking about this at lunch today with uh with my insurance guy. You know, he's he's trying to take care of uh my portfolio and everything else for when I retire here eventually from teaching. But um I was like, people go into drafts and they just want to, they get people and sometimes there's somebody they want and they take like an angry, like I have that guy in my queue and then the guy before me takes them. And then I take a panic pick at the same position. I was like, you really need to slot and have an idea of what you want. Like at this point in the draft, I need a, B and C. And that, and that was the point of my full hand article. Use those first five picks. If you get two pitchers in them, you've built a solid base. Then you don't have to panic because if everybody starts moving up pitching, at least you don't have to overtake somebody just to get a pitcher, whereas other people are going to be, you know, you get into those middle rounds. If you haven't taken a pitcher yet, you're going to be overspending on a guy that may not be worth it while other people are picking off the bargains in, in the batters. So, again, the room in the draft is going to dictate some of those things, but, you know, adjust what assess your needs if if you need austin Meadows at that point then you take them um i think people lose sight of that i think sometimes people just take a guy because he's falling not because they need him but they're like well he shouldn't be going in this round so i guess i'm going to take him but then it doesn't it's not a fit on their roster does that make sense well no i've said this for years i've been saying it for a few years the reason why a lot of people don't do well in fantasy baseball they don't know how to construct a roster. There's great analysis across this industry. There's guys who can break down players left and right. And a lot of them do not know how to construct a roster. And anyone who has followed me over the years, I don't win every league, but I'm always going to be competitive. I'm near the top. And I always feel like there's a reason why the same people are near the top is because they know what they're doing. And I think that's what happens is people get infatuated with players, right? We all know there's certain analysts that have their guys like, oh, this is my guy. And they feel mm -hmm. like they have to get him in every draft. Yeah, it's a blind spot. Yeah, I don't. Look, do I want those? Sir? If I believe in them, sure. But especially this happens in my home league. It's an auction. So people read my stuff. They hear me on the radio. They know who I like. And you know what happens? Like they bid the guy up like crazy. And you know what I do? I back away. All right, take him. You want to <laughs> overspend? It's happened. It happened. So the year Blake Trinan's first year, I was all over. I'm like, he is second half. When he got traded, Washington to Oakland, you could see it. I was watching the movement on his pitchers, the sink, the sinkers, um, 
the ground balls, the velocity, the ballpark. I'm like, this guy is going to be a top closer this year. So I was all over him. And of course, we get to my home league auction. These guys are driving up the price like crazy. He might have went for like $30 or something. And the salary cap in that is a little different. It's $300 for $30. Uh-huh. But yeah. still, the people were just, they knew I liked him. They kept bidding up a dollar. I'm like, all right, guys, take him. He's yours. Like, yep. I don't have to get him. I'll find someone else. And I think that's what happens is people feel like, oh, this, this is my guy. I have to get him. And they have four or five or six of those guys. And they'll reach on them. And they're not paying attention to how you construct the roster. You have to have balance. You have to attack every category. And I think it's one of the reasons why I have success. I feel like there are very few people who are giving out this advice that do it successfully. Mm-hmm. And again, you can, if you love their player analysis, fine. But be careful who you listen to as far as breaking down rosters. And yeah, you're right. I could love Austin Meadows, but the seventh round comes. If I have two or three outfielders and I'm light on pitching, I got to pass on him. He doesn't mm-hmm. fit my roster. It's a puzzle. Exactly. You're putting yes. together a puzzle. Yeah, and that, that was the that was the whole the tenet of the article I did. I used the Queen's Gambit with chess as it, you, you're making picks in the middle rounds that are setting up your next two or three picks. You're not just getting a guy to get a guy. You're getting a guy because he addresses your need and runs and stolen bases. And then in the next round, you might need home runs, and then you're addressing that need. And, and if it fits in the position that you need, then it's a double win. You're you're putting these pieces together to give you those those markers that you're shooting for. You know, if you want to take a risk on a guy that's a high whip guy, but he's got a lot of strikeouts, like a a Robbie Ray kind of person. Uh, I never drafted Robbie then, Ray. Well, no, no, I totally get it. But no, I'm saying, I know. Like, I, that was like that, the first guy that popped in my head. I'm like, if you're going to take one of these guys, you got to have somebody to balance that whip. You need a Kyle Hendricks. You you need somebody who's going to level him out. Yeah, I've been bashing Robbie Ray for years because I just I don't get it. Like, oh, the strikeouts. Yeah. Do you guys realize there's a category called whip and ERA? Like, come yeah. on, man. I know he's had a couple decent years of ERA, but his whip last year, fine. A small sample, 1.9, 1.34 in 2019, 1.35 in 2018, man. Like, I just I'm like, all right, guys, you can take Robbie Ray. Enjoy those strikeouts. It's great. But you realize there's a, a whip category that he just yeah. absolutely destroys you in. Right. And, and if you do that, you can't take a chance anywhere else. If you're trying to keep your whip at like 1.20 and below that, that just, that just like blows all your stuff out of the water. You got Jacob DeGrom. Now you've just neutralized him by taking that guy. Uh, before we let you go, I've seen a lot of different players go with the number one pick. I've seen Acuna, Betts, Tatis. I've even seen a pitcher go one. If you're drafting today, who is the guy you take number one and why? <laughs> it's a great question. Uh, if the, the higher the stakes, if it's like a high, high stakes league, it's probably going to be a pitcher. If it's, if it's a medium stakes, I'm probably going with one of the shortstops, Tatis Jr. or Trey Turner, because I want that power with stolen bases building my base. And then I'm probably going to hammer a pitcher on the way back as long as I like somebody who's there. Um, I love Juan Soto. And I, I just think he's going to have a fantastic season. But um, I, I think outfield is deep enough that I'm probably going to focus on either one of those top two shortstops or uh, DeGrom or, or Cole in that spot if I had the number one. But again, that's the highest stakes. You know, I, I, I will play it. The, the more money's in there, the safer I'm going to play it. How about you? I'm not even sure yet. I think I'd take a bat, though. I mean, I understand how it's, appealing... 
Oh yeah, it's hard to it's hard to turn down one of those top two shortstops in that spot. It's amazing too because Mike Trout feels like he's not in the conversation. I think uh, he's been going like five in my NFBC draft champions. He went ninth Mm -hmm. overall. Like ninth's a little low. I mean, Trout's still a stud, but I think people are just a little off on him because of the stolen base count. Right. I mean, he can and it makes sense. He's got to stay healthy. Yeah. Can he steal ten? That's the whole thing. You know, so and if you're doing that, you have to value him close to, to Soto because you're going to get batting average with power. And, and if, if Soto and and or Trout give you 10 stolen bases, that's a great foundation, too. Uh, I, I think drafting in the middle of drafts this year is going to be nice or or towards the end, especially in 15 team leagues. You can get two very good players uh, around the turn and really set yourself up for success. You can now. The key is, what do you do in the middle to late rounds? Because that's usually where mm-hmm. you separate yourself. Everyone wants to talk about the early rounds, and it's fun. Yep. It's great. But we all know the middle to late rounds, you yep. know, getting getting a couple of breakout players, a couple of players. Controlling that, you know, the center. Yep. Yeah, just exceed their ADP and crush value. That's really the key. You know, like the you know, Teoscar Hernandez from last year. I was able to get him. You know, I had Corbin mm-hmm. Burns last year. I mean, getting those guys so late. That's really the key. And, um, yes. you know, sometimes people lose sight of that. They're always looked, oh, the fir- my first two, three picks. I mean, you could have a early pick that underperforms and still be fine. I mean, obviously you want them all to hit, but it's not possible. Guys are going to get hurt. Guys are going to underperform. So um, so let people know what you got coming out on Fantasy Alarm uh, in the next couple of weeks as they get set to dominate fantasy baseball this year. Yeah, well, definitely go back and read the articles that you and I have both done. Uh, I'll be doing uh, the second base preview. Uh, I'm going to start prepping that on Friday, uh, kind of like a landscape of the position, what it provides. Uh, can my boy Ozzy Albies bounce back this year? Things of that nature. Uh, we'll just kind of give you an idea uh, of what the what the tiers look like there, what the position provides, uh, and things of that nature. We're just trying to give you a more all-encompassing approach to the draft guide. Uh, I'll also have a closer by committee article coming around the bend. Just you know, all of these muddled situations, who may emerge and, and who might be a dark horse in those things, because those are the key information points uh, that you need in those late rounds to, to get a guy. Um, I, I still think Jordan Hicks takes over in St. Louis and things of that nature. So all that stuff's coming up and, and I'm excited about it. And I'm excited to read your work as well. All right. Make sure you check it out. Fantasyalarm.com, the MLB draft guide, tons of information there. Go look for yourself. You'll see it and then you'll be like, wow, this is great. And then become a subscriber. That wraps it up for Annie Up. I'll be back tomorrow here on the Annie Up podcast.